Christian life is a life that is called a life of faith. And tonight we're going to talk about the difference between a walk according to the ways of the world or the ways of the flesh and the ways of the spirit. And Paul does a fabulous job of really presenting the battle that each and every one of us are in. And he gives us great words of instruction. But I do want to encourage you. We're in the midst of uh, what is looks like a sustainable um, heat wave that's come to our part of the country, but we're not in it alone. Uh, most of the nation is under watches and warnings, and there's a lot of turbulent weather just around our country. And I want you to know that we just live in that season in the earth where there's going to be things that are excessive. They're not the way that they always were. Weather patterns are changing. We can see culture is trying to determine the path of even the church. But we are called to hold up the standard of God's word and to walk by faith and to continue to trust in him. So I know in our flesh we can grow weary, in our mind we can almost faint, but we're going to continue to submit ourselves to God's spirit and allow him to refresh us and fill us. So I want to encourage you, even the song that we sang at the end, if you're really entering in and you're really understanding what you're proclaiming, what you're praying, what you're asking the Lord to do there, there can't that you can't do that without your heart being uplifted. You can't stay flatlined spiritually when you do things by faith. Because God is so pleased by faith and his eyes are looking to and fro throughout the whole Earth looking for someone, longing to find that individual whose heart is being extended and poured out towards him so he can pour himself into that individual. So thank you so much for just, you know, pressing past the flesh, the tiredness, the weariness, the concerns, you know, the weightiness of things that are going on and just entering into the life of the spirit that God has for each and every one of us. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to begin in the 16th verse. I say then, let me stop. I say then, he's saying what he's about to say in light of the liberty that we have been given in Christ and the love that we have experienced. So he's already talked to the Galatians about the tremendous liberty that they have in Christ Jesus, the freedom that they have in Christ. And he's really encouraging them to not go back and live under the law, but to continue to press into the things of the spirit because it's in the spirit that you and I have life. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And so he's saying, don't forget this tremendous life and this liberty that's been given to you in Christ Jesus and pursue it and press into it and don't get yourself caught up in going back and trying to live and please the Lord by just keeping the law. Live and let the Spirit live and express His life in the life of Christ through you. And then He's also encouraging them that you've experienced the true love of God and allow that experience that you've experienced to help you in this walk. So He said in verse 16, I say then... In light of this liberty, in light of this love that we've all experienced in Christ, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill 
the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these, the spirit and the flesh, are contrary. They're different to one another. They're not the same. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident or clear or clearly seen, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. So he, he begins this this list, this litany of activity that the flesh wants to pull us into by talking about how the flesh takes things that God has designed to be a blessing and takes things that God has has given us boundaries and borders for and tries to take it outside of the boundaries and borders. And he, and he, start, he starts, first of all, with the sexual appetite of the flesh, and which is one of the, the biggest drivers of human behavior is someone's sexuality. And that's why there's such a battle and such a struggle over that, that identification in the world today. And so he says, you know, the works of the flesh are clearly seen, they're evident, and they're adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And then he says, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Verse 21, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries. Revelries are just wild parties, parties that have really no boundaries. They just go for extended period of time. It's it's Mardi Gras on steroids. It's revelries. And, and there's, you know, really uh, no end to uh, the dissipation that happens in that. It's just a, a very unhealthy environment for anyone who gets who gets caught up in it. And he says, you know, beware of these things because the flesh has an appetite for these kind of of behavior really is drawn and 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 it craves this kind of lifestyle and you have to curb the flesh with all of its unhealthy affections and and all of the dangers that it's going to pull you into so he's saying revelries and and such alike and anything that that looks like it or smells like it or would resemble it stay away from it of which i tell you beforehand just as I also told you in times past that those who practice or make this their lifestyle in these areas, in, in these such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's reminding them of something he's already instructing them about. And I think we need to hear these words of instruction consistently because we're constantly being bombarded about the things that we deserve and the things that, you know, we should be able to participate in without any consequences, without anyone holding us accountable, without anyone saying anything to us. And the Apostle Paul is clearly not of that persuasion. He's just the opposite. He said, I'm going to remind you of these things because you're going to, you're going to face these temptations because the flesh is the flesh is the flesh. And then he goes on, though, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. When he says against such there is no law, he says there's really nothing to restrict your growth or your development in these areas. There's no end. There's, there's no one governing. There's no restrictions. 
You know, when laws are written, it's in order to put parameters on certain types of behavior for the well-being of a society. But within the framework of God's spirit working in our life, there's no governance, there's no inter- there's no restrictions. You can go as far as you want to go. Now, here's the, here's the trick of the enemy. He wants to lay these two side by side and say to us, and he does it, but which is funner? What he wants to say is, the life of the Spirit is boring. But living according to your carnal impulses and the way of the culture, that is where you can really have a big time. And here's the deception with that. Is that while you're in the midst of all of the things that are outside of the boundaries and the borders of God, it doesn't look as if you're harming anyone, but you are. You're harming yourself. And the ripple effect can lead to harm to other people. So we have to be careful that we don't allow the enemy to interpret Scripture or the significance of Scripture, but allow the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us. What... The Apostle Paul is saying is to the church is that you've been given tremendous freedoms because of Jesus Christ. Use those freedoms wisely. Don't go back and indulge in the way of the flesh. You have experienced eternal and perfect love. And don't take advantage of the one who loves you. Because the life that he's provided for you is a life with no restrictions. It's a life that has potential and is filled and is filled with the fullness of God. He goes on and he continues to admonish the church. And those in verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass. Now, he's talking in light of what he's just instructed us about. If any man is, any Christian man or woman is given over to the impulses of the flesh and gets pulled back into the ways of the flesh and starts living their life accordingly, he says, you who are spiritual, restore one Such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, he's saying that if you if you identify that a fellow believer is struggling and going back and living according to the appetites of the flesh, then this is a time for you as a fellow believer to manifest gentleness in their life. Because you yourself are also tempted. Don't go in there conceited, arrogant, because he's already warned us against that. Don't go in there with a legalistic attitude. Don't go in there and quote the law to them because they're not under the law anymore. They're in liberty and they're in love. And remind them of the liberty they have in Christ and the love they have in Christ and encourage them to get back to living the life that Christ has called them into. You who are spiritual, how would we 
categorize someone who's spiritual? Would we categorize them as someone who is used in the gifts of the Spirit? As someone who maybe speaks in tongues? As someone who has been used in miracles? According to the Word of God, those aren't the marks of true spirituality. The marks of true spirituality is the fruit or the evidence of God's Spirit working in us. It's the character of Christ. The church at Corinth was known as carnal Christians. We'll talk about that potentially for a minute as I finish our service uh, in teaching tonight. Uh, They were known as carnal Christians, and yet Paul said, you come behind in no spiritual gifts. So word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gift of healings, all nine gifts of the Spirit were in operation within that church. And Paul called them carnal, babes. So God can use baby Christians in the gifts of the Spirit because it's sovereignly as He wills. So that's not the mark of spirituality. Would you agree with me? It's a mark of someone who maybe hungers for God, longs for God, thirsts for God, desires God, but it doesn't mean that they have started to grow and bear fruit in God yet. I was 14 when I had an experience with the Lord with our youth group where a word of knowledge came to me as a 14-year-old. I was not a spiritual person at 14 years of age. I promise you, I was not spiritual. But within the framework of our gathering As we were praying and closing out our time, I had, the only way I can describe it is I had a a vision or a mini vision of someone's knee who was hurting. Someone had hurt their knee. And so I just asked, is there someone in the youth group who's hurt their knee? And one of the girls in the youth group had underneath her jeans had an ace bandage on. Remember the ace bandages? You know, they fixed everything. Uh, that and iodine. I, I don't even know why we need anything else. Iodine would just fix everything, including if you needed, like, your clothes, like a new fashion statement. Iodine is permanent. It just never came out. Before there was tie-dye, you just put a little iodine on anything and you had a cool shirt. But... I didn't know that she had an ace bandage on. And at 14, the Lord used me in that way. And she was ministered to and the Lord healed her knee. But I wasn't spiritual. I promise you. I promise you I wasn't. Let me let me give you another example. For years, uh, uh, several years after I graduated from Bible school, I worked for Pastor Willie George at Camp Dry Gulch. And so for 13 weeks out of the summer, I had 12 first through fifth graders, 24 hours a day, six days a week. And I was their mom and dad and caretaker and big brother and encourager. And we would be in marvelous services where the presence of God was so real and tangible and hundreds of children would be filled with the Holy Spirit at once, no one laying hands on them. The Spirit of God would fall and they'd lift up their hands and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and walking out of service, one of them would step on 
the shoe of another one, give them a flat tire, and we'd have to break up a fight. I promise you, those children were not spiritual, and yet they spoke in tongues. And God's Spirit came upon them. Why? Because that was God's desire to fill them with His Spirit so they could become spiritual. So they could grow up in the things of God. Sometimes God uses carnal Christians because they're all that's available to be used. But it's not a mark of their maturity. It is a sign of God's goodness to care for people. So he's saying, if there's anyone that you see or that you can identify that's being absorbed in the way of the flesh again, then gentleness is in season. The fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. Go to them in a spirit of gentleness. And consider before you go that you yourself are also tempted in many ways. And so don't go in there, as he said, conceited. Don't provoke them. And don't cause any type of jealousy or envy in that conversation. Just go. And then he says in verse 2, Bear one another's burdens and also fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let a man examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Verse 6. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now he's going to get very specific in verse 8. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows of the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Well, there's a primary difference. There's several differences, but let me give you the primary difference between if you sow to the flesh, it's instant gratification. If you sow to the Spirit, there's seasons in which that manifests and develops. Now, while God can do things suddenly, and Scripture talks about, and suddenly the Lord poured out of His Spirit. I don't know that there was a suddenly to it. There was an, a, a time period where seeds were sown, seeds were watered, and then over a period of growth and maturity of that individual, suddenly God did something. But He was preparing us all the while for what He wanted for us. So the devil will say, It's a waste of time to sow to the Spirit. It just takes too long. It's a lot more gratifying and a lot more fulfilling to just give place to the flesh. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than to walk by faith. But if we're going to experience God... Faith is the road that he's called us to journey on. So we're trusting him through the process. Verse 10. Therefore, because of this, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Flesh versus spirit. 
Since we're going to reap according to where we sow, we should be wise in how and where we are investing our time, talents, and treasure. We have to be wise. And that's what tonight's message is about, is wise investments. The day that you and I were born again is the day that our spirit became alive to God. Our eyes were open and we became aware that there is more to life than the here and now. The moment that we came alive to God, we entered into, unbeknownst to us maybe at the time, we entered into an awareness that there really is an adversarial devil who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a battle that is taking place between our flesh and our spirit. And according to that, which we invest in, will determine who is going to call the shots or who's going to be in charge in our life, the flesh or the spirit. God's word teaches us to beware of excesses because they always lead us astray and into error. Excesses in food and sleep, sexual appetites and our attitudes that govern our emotions. Scripture calls us to be aware of the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things that enter in. For when we give place to these, God's word will not bear fruit in our lives. So the flesh is drawn towards things that are natural or temporal, unhealthy, and sometimes even unnatural according to the design and the plan of God. So when we sow to the flesh, to the natural impulses that are not being governed by God's spirit, we end up worshiping creation instead of creator, instead of the creator. The battle between the flesh and the spirit is about who will be the master and who will be the servant in our life. It's about living for the temporal pleasures of this world or for the eternal rewards of heaven. It's about trusting in what is seen or in the one who is not seen and yet visible by the eye of faith. If we're going to experience God, we have to invest in the spirit and we will reap life everlasting. Natural and temporal things are not wrong until they occupy an unholy place in the Christian's life. So I'm going to finish just by sharing with you that food is good if it's kept within the boundaries and the borders in which it was given unto us. Gluttony is food consumed excessively. All right? And also, if you're binging, that is also just as harmful. Binging or food binging, causing yourself to be anemic or anorexic is very unhealthy, right? And so is overeating. But here's the issue with food. Food has an aspect of comfort to it. We talk about comfort food. What's a comfort food that you think of? Right now, it's everything I can't have. That's the way I feel about it. <clears throat> and so it's challenging. What part of me is being challenged right now? My flesh. Because my flesh got used to comfort that came from food. And yet because of some of the excesses that I permitted in my life, my body was actually attacking certain good foods, but it wasn't identifying them as good anymore because I was having too much of them. My mother used to say this about me and my brother. 
you two can make a meal out of milk. I mean, I could come home from football practice and if there's a half a gallon of milk and just a few squirts of Hershey's chocolate syrup, that gallon of milk is gone. My brother and I could consume it. And one glass of milk is good. Eight ounces, right? 64 ounces, not so good. My mom made a 12-pound turkey one day, uh, which was a was a big deal. And it wasn't during Thanksgiving, but, you know, turkey is a pretty lean meat and it's usually being sold at a fairly good market price, especially if, if you have to cook a turkey. I don't know why we just cook turkeys, you know, just during Thanksgiving. You can go and pick up a turkey and it's very, very reasonable as far as cost. But a friend of mine and I came home after football practice. We ate 12-pound We ate the whole bird, of which infuriated my mom. To say that there was consequences for my indulgence in the flesh is, is, well, let's just say that I wasn't too big to be spanked or whooped. Whooped was probably the right, right word. All right, so food, food has its boundaries. Sleep has its boundaries. Uh, but, but, Too much sleep isn't good and not enough sleep isn't good. Excesses. This is what we're talking about. You know, your sexuality is good within the confines of marriage. Anything outside of that is unhealthy, unnatural. It's going to cause problems. You know, regret and guilt is a, is, is a, is some, is, is, are two, I'm telling you, they're tag team twins that you don't want to mess with because one will thump you. For a while and you think you got regret, you know, put on the back burner and here comes the guilt on top of it. And so with choices, there comes consequences. But with Christ, there comes a new life. There comes power. There becomes forgiveness. There's grace. There's no restrictions to what he wants to do. And when you understand that the life of the spirit is more fulfilling, more gratifying, more, more beneficial to you than the life of the flesh, you'll choose the spirit. But if we believe somehow that Jesus is cheating us out on having a good life because we don't get to party anymore and we don't get to do the things of the world anymore and we get made fun of because we don't hang out with those folks or go to those places anymore. If we can't handle that kind of, of uh, you know, buffering or or opposition, then you know, we have to sort of realign and reassess, okay, why did we come to Jesus? And who is Jesus and what does he mean to us? For all that he suffered, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. He didn't, he didn't come to compromise with the devil and just say, you know, well, you can have him 50% of the time, I'll take 50. Jesus takes sole responsibility for those that are yielded to him. So our emotions, our emotions are good as long as they're kept in their proper place. You know, beware of the cares of this life. There's times where each and every one of us have concerns, but God will perfect the things that concern us. But there's a healthy way to take care of those things, and there's unhealthy ways to take care of those things. And then the lust of other things and the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, I, I think... A lot of us at, at some point in time in, in our maturing, in our growing up, believe that, you know, money was 
an answer to a lot of life's problems, but with money comes responsibility and stewardship. And there's a lot of things that happen as you become successful that you never think about until one day, potentially, uh, you do become more successful. More people want to be your friends. I mean, when you didn't have much, um, not many people came and wanted much from you. But if you have something, then every lost relative or potential lost relative shows up and wants a piece of the pie. Uh, it's interesting they document all of the things that happen with people that win the lottery. And not only do they, uh, a majority of them lose everything that they gain, they also don't understand how to handle the responsibility of all of these people that come to their life, and so they therefore get taken advantage of. But the life that God has for us is a life of the Spirit. It's a life that has no borders and no boundaries, no restrictions. There's no laws uh, that are there to govern how much fruit you and I can develop. And so we are admonished to sow to the spirit and in doing so that's a wise investment because we are promised that it will produce everlasting life it may take some time and there may be some pruning in the process but the fruit will be magnificent and the fruit will glorify god and he will get the glory so we're in this battle we're in this tug of war let's invest wisely Let's choose the life of the Spirit over the life of the flesh. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.